0: Uh, living the dream, uh, once again, just being reminded of that A reality that we all have dreams, we all have aspirations, we all have hopes in our life of things that we want to see realized. Part of that has to do with our work life, has, part of that has to do with our, our personal life, maybe hobbies, uh, those kinds of things. But part of it also has to do with our faith. And so how do we move from that place of just having the dream to living the dream? Uh, too often, uh, I think we get later on in life and we look back with a sense and, uh, of regret that we haven't lived out more the way that we would like to uh, as Christ followers. So what can we do now? How can we make those changes that, that move us more in that direction? Well, that's what we have been looking at in the last few weeks, and we've talked on a couple of, or actually three different topics thus far, and... Pat, it's not clicking. Is the cord hooked up and draped over the side? Okay, thank you for doing that. Um, so we uh, talked first about faithfulness. Um, that's an important quality in life. We need to have that with God, that sense of consistency. We need that with one another, uh, but certainly needs to be there with God as well. We talked about perseverance and, and how as um, as God's people, we need to have that mindset that this, this adventure with God is a lifetime adventure. Uh, we get to experience God's presence every single day that we're here upon this earth. And so we need to, to, to view it more as we've uh, referenced kind of as a marathon, just then just as a, as a sprint. Uh, we talked last week about the Holy Spirit and, and of his role in our life in this uh, walk that we have with him. And, and so just as a quick recap, Cap on that Holy Spirit piece. We, we mentioned that the Holy Spirit is a part of the Godhead. Um, sometimes He's the neglected part of the Godhead, but He is a part of the Godhead. And so uh, we need to be mindful of that, that He's a partner with us. Now, I'm not saying this is an equal partnership. Uh, we thank God that He is a far superior part of this partnership, but He's still in partnership with us in our lives. He's a teacher to us. Uh, he illuminates, He helps us to understand. He helps understand this book that God has given to us. But He also also reveals in particular uh, teachings about Jesus Christ. Uh, We see that through the Holy Spirit, uh, we have a greater understanding of of the deceptions, of the manipulation of the evil one in our world. And he is doing a great job of that in today's age. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand those lies that come from the father of lies. And in the same way that we understand the lies, we also understand the truth. Uh, The Holy Spirit is the one that reveals to us all truth. And so a great advocate, a great uh, part of the Godhead to have there beside us as we go through life. Well, as we looked at these things so far, we, we've been talking about things we really want more of. This morning, we're going to shift uh, gears just a little bit to talk about something that that at least for some of us, we need less of in our lives with one exception, and that is uh, the issue of anger. Uh, the issue of anger. Um, now, we see it all around us. We know that it's a, a part of life. It can even be the part of of the life of, of a pastor. I heard the story of, of a pastor that was out walking in his neighborhood one day, and as he was going down the street, he came a, a, across a house where there was a little boy in front of the house by the, the street, and he had an old uh, lawnmower that was there that he was trying to sell. He had a for sale sign. They're in in front of the lawnmower, and and so the pastor decided to go up and just have a chat with this young man, and and as he went up, this little guy gave him his best sales pitch that he could come up with about why this pastor needed this lawnmower. Well, he didn't really need a lawnmower, but he kind of enjoyed the the conversation, and so they continued on for a little bit, and the the little boy encouraged him to, you know, try it, see how it worked, and so the the pastor reached down, and he pulled the, the starter cord, and he yanked once, and nothing. Yanked again, nothing, not even a sputter. And so he says to this uh, young guy, uh, son, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not sure this lawnmower works. And and the little boy said, no, uh, there's some tricks to really making it operate. You have to kick it a couple times first, and then you have to cuss at it. Uh, and the pastor said, oh, uh, son, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm a pastor. I can't swear. I haven't uttered a cuss word in, in years. And the little boy said, well, just pull on that cord a couple more times. Those words will all come back to you. (laughs) I wanted to start with just a little bit of humor because the truth is when when we talk about the topic of anger, most of it is not funny. Uh, It tends to be very serious and can be very harmful and destructive. As I was preparing for this morning, sadly, I only had to go back to this past week to see some very glaring examples of what happens when we allow anger to take control of our lives. Uh, There's a picture here. Do any of you recognize who this woman is? She actually had quite a bit of coverage this last week. She is a flight attendant from a Southwest Airline uh, trip that took place at the beginning of the week. Um, You can see the the bruising and cuts uh, on her eye there. She asked one of the passengers, actually a woman, uh, if she would fasten her seatbelt, at which point the woman got up and just pounded the tar out of this flight attendant, I cut her eye, bloodied her nose, which she's cleaned up at this point, knocked out two teeth um, as a part of that process. Um, here's another picture, uh, this one a little closer to home. Anybody know where, what this is from? Just uh, up the road in Portland, uh, another night or two or three of of rioting. Um, and it would be one thing if these things were isolated incidents, but they're not. Um, As I was looking a little bit more into the, uh, the circumstances around this flight attendant, they got injured. Uh, you know, uh, airline travel is still down by 40% from what I could find out. And yet despite that, um, in a typical year, there would be 150 altercations between passengers and flight 150 over the course of a year. Well, we're in May, so we're not even halfway through the year. And thus far in 2021, there have been 2,500 situations of altercations. Um, We are an angry people today. Uh, we look at the situation in, in Portland, and I had trouble finding out information. It's become so commonplace, uh, the news doesn't even report it uh, very much anymore. But, but what I was able to find is if you go back to September, uh, the beginning of September, we had reached a milestone at that point, and again, that's what, seven months ago now, um, of having had 100 days straight of protests and riots. And we almost uh, seem to wear that as, as a badge or something to brag on uh, which is hard for me to understand. Uh, at that point, some seven months ago, there had already been about $2.5 million of damage just done to public buildings, uh, county, state, federal uh, structures. That doesn't count the, the banks, the restaurants, the businesses, the kiosks um, that have been uh, vandalized and uh, destroyed time and time and time again. Once more, we are an angry people today. It seems uh, in so many different ways, and as we think about that, I just want to spend a few moments talking about what leads to that, what's behind that, what what causes us to allow this anger uh, to evidence itself in some very destructive, harmful. Ways, And so as we think about anger and as we look to Scripture, one of the things that Scripture talks a lot about is what I've just called here sudden anger. And it's that, um, you might refer to it as knee-jerk kind of anger. It's when something happens, and even, even before we've really had a chance to process it, we just sort of respond. Like when someone cuts you off in a parking lot or, or, or someone um, uh, maybe takes your, Uh, parking spot in that place that you were waiting for. We we just allow our our anger to kind of flare a little bit without even thinking much about that. In the book of Proverbs, we read these words. Anyone who gets angry quickly does foolish things. Uh, We've seen that happen in the lives of other people, I suspect. But if we're honest with ourselves, I think we've probably seen that happen in our own lives uh, too often as well. Now, again, everybody gets angry at some point or another. It's not that that we get angry. It's that we allow that anger to take control of our lives. Everybody gets angry. Here's a picture of me the first time my mom tried to serve me vegetables. Um, <laughs> Just kidding, this isn't really me. But, um, but we do have those moments where we just get angry and allow that to, to consume us. So how do we keep that in check? How do we keep a, a godly oversight on that anger that can surface so easily in our lives? Because again, it can happen at a moment's notice. Someone takes our, our parking spot. Somebody uh, cheats on a test that we've studied very hard for. Somebody takes credit for a, a project at work that, that we've put in a lot of time and effort uh, for. Uh, someone um, imposed, tries to impose their opinion on us. And, and we see these and so many other things that can just sort of allow that smoke to start going out of our ears as we saw in the very first picture there. If left unchecked, This instant anger has consequences, and once more, we see it on a pretty regular basis. It can lead to fistfights and broken relationships and lost jobs. And if we're Christians who try to wear our faith publicly, it can severely undermine our witness to others if we allow this this anger to evidence itself. Now, again, we see examples of this all around us. We see it in the, the riots up uh, north. We see it in inflammatory statements that are put on, on social media. We, uh, oh, we see it um, in, in so many different ways. And, and and the truth is that there are people out there, bad people, maybe even evil people, who are just waiting for circumstances like this to, to fan into flame uh, the, this this underlying, almost on the surface kind of anger that so many people have. Uh, they'll try to instigate things and, and antagonize uh, people, sometimes for their own ends, sometimes just because they like to see uh, society kind of fall apart, anarchist types of individuals. We are an angry people today. And as we look to Scripture, we, we see that that anger uh, comes not only in a form of that, that quick, knee-jerk kind of anger, but Scripture also talks about something that's referenced as sinful anger. Now, that may seem like a surprising phrase to you, because isn't all angry, anger sinful? Well, in fact, it's not. Um, we're going to find at the end of our time this morning that there's actually some, some good anger out there. In, in the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, we read, In your anger do not sin. Now, this tells us that it's possible for us uh, to be angry and to not sin. But the implication accompanying that is that most of the time, probably our anger is sinful in nature. So what makes it sinful? Well, one of the things is I think that that, uh, we end up doing those things, allowing that anger to surface that does not glorify God or build up his kingdom in any way. In fact, works in just the opposite direction. Uh, as we think about how uh, we, we tend to uh, lose control sometimes, uh, we see too many instances, e- even in, in our own downtown area, if you've walked down there on a, on a Friday night or a Saturday or Sunday, you see people walking, and, and it is not uncommon at all to see somebody screaming or yelling at somebody else. Um, and what's um, perhaps even mo- more surprising is oftentimes there's not a lot of reaction to that. Because it has just become so commonplace uh, to us. Uh, Sometimes that even happens in our lives, doesn't it? Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands this morning, but uh, my guess is that there have been times where you've uh, allowed that anger to come out in manners that is not glorifying to God, uh, that does nothing to build up his kingdom. Uh, again, I heard of another pastor who was out driving. It was a holiday weekend. He was heading out with his family for a little vacation time. And so uh, they'd gotten out to the interstate from this uh, smaller town that they lived. And as they were on this multi-lane interstate, um, this guy started to to head down the road. But as he did that, a vehicle sped up in front of him, pulled in front of him, and then tapped on the brakes. Well, if you've ever had that happen, you know, you sort of hit your own brakes. And, and I'm sure this pastor was thinking, um, not overly godly thoughts at that moment, but, but it was vacation, and he wanted to enjoy this time with his family. And, and so he decided that he was going to go around the vehicle. So he pulled into the next lane, started to accelerate. But as he accelerated, the other car accelerated. So he went faster. The other guy went faster and faster and faster. They went until, until this pastor realized that he was either going to get a ticket or he was going to put his family in danger. And so they're like this, and he decides to slow down. And what happens the other guy slows down. Well, at this point, the pastor is just fuming, and so little by little he creeps up um, so that he can open up his window and share some deep theological observations he has with this person that's that's next to him. And as he, he finally gets to the place where he can see who this pastor, or this the person is that's next to him, he sees that's one of his best friends who is just howling about what he had been doing to this this pastor. Sometimes uh, anger uh, can be quickly diffused and and, uh, we can laugh about it after the fact. But again, more often than not, that's not what happens. More often than not, very destructive and harmful things uh, come out of it. And so we see that in part, uh, anger surfaces um, when we, uh, or sinful anger occurs when we when we do those things that are not honoring to God. It also occurs when we do those things that are aren't honoring to other people. Uh, also in Ephesians 4, the 29th verse, don't let any unwholesome talk. Wouldn't screaming, yelling, cussing fall into that category? I think so. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Again, it's always amazing to me just how often in today's society I hear people yelling and shouting, walking down the streets downtown, walking through a, a grocery store, you hear people screaming. Sometimes it's between customers, sometimes it's parents toward kids. Sometimes it's kids toward parents. We just seem to hear that anger uh, d- demonstrated in so many situations today. And if we allow that to take control of our lives, again, we can't always avoid the, that initial response toward anger, but we can keep controlling And if we don't do that, if we allow anger to control us rather than us controlling anger, then there's there's consequences that come from that. Uh, One of those consequences is that it can develop and nurture within us a vengeful spirit. In Romans 12, we read, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. As I was thinking about this particular point Uh, it suddenly dawned on me that if I I look at my life and uh, the books that I read and the the movies I tend to watch, it's this very theme that seems to be the underlying storyline for so many of them. I I love um, uh, books that are those thriller kinds of of books. I I love movies that are what Ann kind of calls the shoot 'em ups Uh, But in both cases, books and movies, there's a a pretty common storyline that runs through many of them. It starts with a a good person oftentimes times a, a law enforcement person or a military person, um, and something bad happens to someone they care about. Maybe it's their partner if they're a law enforcement person. Maybe it's a, a, one of their troops if they're in the military. Maybe it's a family member, a spouse, or a, a kid. Maybe they're injured, maybe they're kid, killed, but, but this, this military or, or law enforcement person decides then that they are going to get revenge, and the whole rest of the book, the whole rest of the movie follows that storyline. They're going to make things right. And the reason I can read so many of those books is because there's so many authors writing about those things. And the reason there's so many authors writing about those things is because I think it it, it addresses kind of an underlying feeling that, that many of us have. That feeling being um, that when something happens bad, we don't want to just get mad. We want to get even we want to get even in those situations we want swift eye for an eye tooth for a tooth justice demonstrated and isn't it interesting that as christians while we want god's grace to rest upon us immediately uh, that's not the feeling that we have toward others See, I don't want God getting mad at me when I, I mess up. I'm, I'm counting on, I'm trusting, and I'm grateful for the fact that his grace falls on me. I want that grace to be there for me. I just don't want it to be there for other people. We want grace for us, but we want revenge for others. But folks, let me tell you, and I cannot think of a, of a single exemption to this, that if we allow that to become a part of our lives, that if we allow that vengeful spirit to really become the the, the motivating emotion that we feel, that it is always going to lead us to a very dark place. Uh, Back to Ephesians 4 and the 31st verse we read, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Because if we don't, bad things happen. Fist fights break out, friendships are ended, or, as again we saw just this past week, people die sometimes. This is a situation in San Jose where this says eight were dead, actually ended up being nine people who died. An individual who uh, they interviewed the, the ex-wife after this, and she said that, that her ex-husband had been mad angry for decades and suddenly just uh, kind of lost it. Since then, uh, there's been several other mass shootings that have occurred within our country, and I guarantee you that every single one of those has some kind of component of anger that has been a motivating factor there. When we think about the consequences of allowing anger to take control of our lives rather than than us being in control uh, of that emotion, we see that sometimes the consequences impact us specifically. Sometimes others as well, but impact us. But we see that there are other things that happen uh, uh, to others as well. Uh, There is this this attitude or this feeling of dissension that that emerges when we allow anger to permeate. In Proverbs 15, it says a hot-tempered, a quick-tempered person stirs up conflict, uh, dissension. But, But the one who is patient, the one who is patient calms a quarrel. And again, we just have to look around our own nation to see the effects of this anger that is so pervasive and what it's meant for us. Because, uh, folks, everybody, it seems like, is angry at everybody else. We see it displayed in so many different ways. In fact, it appears to me uh, that we have a more divided nation than I can ever remember having before. And what happens when we allow that to happen or occur? What happens when we, we allow the spirit of dissension of, uh, to, to permeate throughout our culture? Well, uh, the, the result of that is, I think, pretty self-apparent. Uh, it's pretty obvious to us, but it was also obvious to God. In fact, Jesus spoke to that. In Mark three twenty four, he says, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand and so we see that there's consequences for us directly. There's also consequences that we see within our culture if we don't uh, keep a, a watch, keep a, a check on this anger that is out there. So how do we deal with this anger that seems to be all around us? How do we deal with this anger that is so uh, pervasive? Well, we begin by making sure that we, we just try to avoid it by not giving Satan a, a foothold. That's a, a term that comes from Scripture Back to Ephesians 4, we read, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. If you were to ask many addicts what was the worst day of their life, they would tell you it was the first time they they had a a hit of ecstasy or or a snort of cocaine. They would tell you it was the the first drink that they ever took or or the first uh, pornographic video that they ever watched. You see, the easiest way to overcome an addiction is just to never start it. And so we need to, uh, to try to be mindful of the, the environment we place ourselves in, of the things that we do. We need to, uh, to truly apply what we read in God's word and not allow Satan to have a foothold in our lives but if that does occur, if Satan does find a way to creep in there, then there's other things that we can do to deal with that as well. Uh, again, it says here, don't let the sun go down uh, while we're still angry. And so as we think about that, there's some ways that we can, can make that a reality in our life. One is that as the anger emerges in our life, we can release it over to God. Ecclesiastes 7 says, don't become angry quickly. Because anger lives in the hearts of foolish people. Well, I don't want to be a foolish person. I'm sure you don't want to be a foolish person, but that's what happens if we allow anger to come in. And, and it says here that anger lives in the hearts. It doesn't just pass by, it just doesn't wave as it's just going down the road. It lives there, it, it harbors itself uh, there within our hearts. And one of the ways I know in my own life, maybe you've experienced this as well, is, is, is when we allow ourselves to rethink about the incident that made us angry. We replay that tape. Maybe it's the audio of, a, of an argument that we have. Maybe it's the video of an, of an altercation that we had with someone else. But it just goes over and over and over in our mind. And the more we think about it, the madder we get. And the madder we get, the more we think about it. That actually had a, a pretty strong presence in my life uh, as a young man until I got to the point where I realized, hey, I'm in charge of this. I can control this. I can shut that off. And I have to trust that it was just God or the Holy Spirit speaking. Um, but w- one day, it just suddenly dawned on me, I can stop that thought. And, and so that's what happens now when my mind starts to go that direction. I just consciously think I'm not going to go down that path. I've actually even found it easier if I, if I can shift my thought to something that's more pleasant or uplifting. That seems to help as well. But we can, we can shut that off if we make the decision conscientiously to do that. We turn that over to God, we we let go of that. Second, uh, we can seek to to, to have resolution to the thing that's caused the, the anger to begin with. Uh, remember what we just read, don't let the sun go down in your anger? I, I think God wisely gave us a time frame there as a, as a source of motivation to us to, to try to find ways to, to bring resolution to the, the thing that's made us so upset. And my experience has been that one of the best ways to do that is simply to go and talk to the person. Now, that's not always easy, especially if we're still uh, kind of human a little bit. But if we can just go talk to that individual, it's amazing how many times uh, things will resolve themselves. In fact, I would say in my life anyway, and probably as I think about it, uh, the lives of those that I've given similar counsel to, 90% of the time, maybe 95% of the time, if you go and talk to that other person, uh, you can leave uh, even on friendly terms. Because the truth is, oftentimes they don't realize that what they've said has made you angry. How often have you had a situation where someone has done something or said something and it, it just flipped a switch in you, caused you to be, to be upset, um, and yet the person didn't even realize that what they did um, has, has had that impact on you? I think of an individual in our own church um, who had severed a friendship for the remainder of their lives because somebody said something that they didn't realize would have the impact that it did and, and yet had a devastating consequence to that. We need to seek ways to release it to God, to to, to find resolution to those things. And and then in addition to that, or maybe if we can't even get to these places, we always need to go to that place where we forgive. Where we forgive. Once again in Ephesians 4, get rid of all the hard feelings, the anger and the rage. Stop all the fighting and the lying. Don't have anything to do with any kind of hatred, but be kind and tender to one another. What? Forgive one another, just as God forgave you because of what Christ has done. Is forgiving others easy to do? No, oftentimes it's not. But as is always the case, we see that God hasn't called us to do something that he hasn't been willing to do himself. God has forgiven us. In fact, he has forgiven us for so many more things that are so much worse than what most people ever uh, do against us. And he just simply calls us uh, to then forgive others. So simple, so effective, but at times can be so hard. Again, because we, we want justice, we, we want satisfaction, we, we feel that if we've been wrong, that somehow we're entitled uh, to have things, uh, the other person get some of their, their own um, uh, effects of what they have, have done to us, and so we hang on to that anger, but we end up becoming victimized twice. We end up becoming victimized initially uh, by the anger that was there, and then we become a second victim because the evil one uses that to continue to harbor that that ill will within our being. And so we need to let the sun go down by releasing it to God, by resolving it, uh, by seeking forgiveness. Now, I told you at the outset that, that most of the time, anger is something that's not good in our lives. And so far, that's what we've talked about this morning. But I, I want to conclude by, uh, by saying that there is one instance or a set of instances where anger, in fact, is a good thing for us to feel. And yet there's a great irony here because uh, so often the things that we shouldn't get angry about are the very things that, that make us so upset. And the things that should make us upset, we just kind of ignore or walk by Again, that that passage in Ephesians uh, 4, and we're talking here about sanctified anger. That thing in Ephesians 4 said, in your anger, do not sin. So is it possible to be angry and not sin? Yes. And we know that because we we see that Jesus got angry at different points in his life. Remember the incident when Jesus was in the temple and there were the money changers and he overturned the tables because they had turned God's house into a, uh, a den of thieves. Um, Jesus got mad there, but that's not the only instance. We read of another time in Mark 5 where, where Jesus is there with the religious leaders and they have become upset. In fact, they're they're trying to uh, trip up Jesus or stir up the crowd because Jesus had the, the gall to heal someone on the Sabbath. And as we pick up that story in Mark 3, 5, we read this, that Jesus looked around at them, the religious leaders, and he did it in what? In anger. And deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, the one who was uh, disabled there, um, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored completely. We see that there's instances that Jesus got angry. So uh, so there's times that maybe we should get angry as well. But again, uh, it's those things that, that we ignore while it's the other things that we, we get so upset about. And so as we look at our world around us, folk, there are things that we should be getting angry about. We should be getting angry about human trafficking. But when was the last time you really gave much thought to that? We should be getting angry about corruption in government. We should be getting angry with those who perpetrate pornography so broadly in our world today. And especially those who have this most, must have the most perverse minds to engage in things like child pornography. We should get angry about that. But when was the last time you thought about that? We should be angry about crying. We should be angry about rape. We should be angry about murder. We should be angry that millions of people are going to hell. But nobody will say anything to them. Probably including us. Because we don't want to risk ridicule or or discomfort. Folks, we should get angry about that. We should get angry at the way that, that, that Satan has, has deceived so many people in, into thinking that if they'll turn to, to things like drugs and alcohol and sex and power and possessions that they'll find happiness when the reality is that true happiness, contentment, peace only comes in one source and that is Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things we should get angry about but we don't. And so my hope is as we uh, move on from this idea of anger and, and we'll look at a different uh, thought next week that, that you'll remember uh, some of what we've talked about today, that we need to can keep control over our anger, whether it's sudden or sinful anger that that sometimes emerges in our lives. We need to control it rather than allowing it to control us. We need to remember that there's consequences if we if we feed and nurture that that anger. It'll create within us a vengeful spirit and create dissension among people both inside and outside the church we need to remember that there's steps that we can take to to help in this process of keeping a lid on the anger to keeping control we we want to first off not give satan a foothold if we can avoid that but if that happens then we need to let that anger go turn it over to god rather than harbor it in our hearts We need to resolve those issues that make us so upset and and, and simply uh, oftentimes that comes out of a conversation with the person. And then we need to, to practice forgiveness. Not easy, but so important as we seek to grow and mature as disciples of Christ. Let me wrap up with one final illustration and then we'll close in a song today. Uh, Back in the days of the Vietnam War, there was a a camp that had been made out near the the rice paddies there in Vietnam. And uh, one particular occasion, on a particular occasion, there were uh, two soldiers that were eating there at the the mess tent. And as they uh, talked, one said something the other didn't like. And so they started to, to yell and then they got madder and madder. And finally, they got up and started throwing punches big burly sergeant walked in and he grabbed both of them by the the scruff of their collars and he walked them out to the front of the tent and pointed them to the rice paddies. And he said, there is your enemy. And then he quickly turned them to face each other and said, not here. Folks, too often we, we forget that there is an enemy out there. But it's the evil one. And instead of allowing our anger to be projected toward him and the things that he brings about, we turn it on one another. We end up destroying our own hearts. We end up eroding our own witness as Christians. We get ulcers. Our blood pressure goes up. There's all kinds of problems that go with that. And So we need to remember who the enemy is. It's not the one typically that faces us. It's the one there in the world. May God make us aware of that. And may he help us. That when anger does emerge, to direct it toward the one who truly deserves it, the evil one, and not toward those around us. Amen.